thank you so much. Thank you, choir, and thank our praise team for leading us in worship. Brother Terry also, and thank all of you for joining in this morning. That's why we came, is to worship, and so thank you for being a part. It would be sad if we gathered in the Lord's name and then not worship. So let me thank you for taking part. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to Isaiah in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. We want to look at perhaps a familiar passage. Isaiah 53, and we'll look at verses 1 through 10. Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 10. Kind of as a beginning text this morning, and kind of focus in on a couple of those verses. So Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 10. I want to share with you a sermon I've, I've entitled, He Was Wounded for Me. He Was Wounded for Me. For me, I noticed the song just then. I appreciate y'all leading us in that because it, it said, uh, <clears throat> my name was written in his wounds. Did you pick up on that in that last verse? He was wounded. Jesus was wounded for me. This morning as I stand before you, I pray that I will preach with intentionality. By that, I simply mean I'm not standing here because I just have something to say. But I'm praying that what I say, that God will use it as a great weight that's laid upon your heart. I pray that all of us will be able to say as we leave, he was wounded for me. He was wounded for me. And I pray also that as you leave today that you would not say, wow, great music. Or, man, the choir was good. Great singing. Uh, great service. But I pray you will say, what a great Savior. He was wounded for me. What a great Savior. So therefore, the text this morning doesn't magnify me, and it doesn't magnify you, but it magnifies a person that can change your life. My life was changed when I was 11 years old. Let me say this, my life was drastically changed when I was 11 years old. You say, well, Brother Sammy, how could your life be drastically changed and you were only 11? I mean, that's 55 years ago. How was it drastically changed then? Well, it was drastically changed from fear to faith. I was afraid to die, even at 11 years old. I knew there was a heaven, and I knew there was a hell. I knew that. I knew there was good. I knew there was evil. And I knew if there, had, if there was good, there had to be a heaven. That's common sense. If there's evil, there had to be a hell, or there wasn't a just God. So I was afraid that I was going to miss heaven and go to hell. I was afraid to die. 
Now, some of you may be sensing that today. But God can change you from, from fear to faith, even at 11 years old. So listen as I read from the Word of God, Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 10. And as I read, I pray that you'll feel the weight of the truth of the text. He was wounded for me. Forget about everybody else in here. He was wounded for me. Verse 1, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone into his own way. And the Lord, God, has laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. In verse 7, he's brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as sheep before the shearers is dumb. And so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Isaiah 53 has been referred to in a number of ways. First, it's known as the evangelistic chapter of the Old Testament. It's referred to from time to time as the Mount Everest of the Old Testament, foretelling the essence of the gospel. It's referred to, Isaiah 53 sounds as though that it was written while someone was sitting at the foot of the cross. Four gospel writers and authors of the New Testament, books of the New Testament, Acts and Romans and Philippians and Hebrews and First Peter, they all quote from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is, is uh, known as the heart of the New Testament. Isaiah 53 is also known as the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Known as the heart of the Old Testament. Known as John 3.16 of the Old Testament. 
And you can open your Bible at Genesis chapter 3.15, 6,000 years ago where Adam and Eve sinned, and God provided a sacrifice for their sin. And then you can march forward 800 years before Christ was born, and you hear Isaiah speaking of one that would come and make a make it a way so that uh, I wouldn't have to die in my sin. Now remember, the hero of the text is referred to as the suffering servant. But the hero of the text, you've gotten it by now, is Jesus. Now remember, the hero of the text is the hero of the Bible. The hero of the Bible is Jesus, the hero of Isaiah 53 is Jesus. And remember that there's only one hero, there's only one theme from Genesis to Revelation, and that is the theme of redemption. Think of 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, with one hero and one theme being Jesus and redemption. And so the story, Isaiah 53 Let's us know what Christ was doing to rescue us from our sins. And so, because of this, 6,000 years ago, a substitute was provided for Adam and Eve, a sacrifice was provided for Adam and Eve's sin. An animal was killed in order that they might be covered. And then Isaiah promises 800 years later, 2,900 years from now back, that there would be one come that would forgive us of our sins and we wouldn't have to die in our sins. And so because of all of this, there's no one, no one, no one has an excuse not to be saved. No one. Because God has literally emptied heaven by sending his son to this earth in order that everyone could have forgiveness of sin and have eternal life. And so redemption is the story of what Christ did for us. C.S. Lewis, a great theologian, a great man, a great apologetic, he said this about the death of Christ. He said, when Christ died, he did not die for societies, nor for the impersonal masses of humanity, or even for men, but he died for each man and each woman individually. He was wounded for me, for me. He died for the world, but he was wounded for me. And Lewis said this, if I had been the only being created, he would have done no less. Now, once you understand that his death and his wounds were for you individually, then there's some serious demands that are made. One being to receive this Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusades for Christ, also the producer of the film, uh, the Jesus film. Someone has said that, that more people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ through this one man, Bill Bright, than anyone else who has ever lived. And Bright said this, we must individually receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Individually. 
individually. If you're married today, you can't receive Christ for your spouse, but you're going to be held accountable for what you do with this person, Jesus, regardless what your spouse does. Honey, I love you, but I'm trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to heaven when I die, and I pray that you'll be going to heaven when you die. Children, mom and dad are going to heaven. We're praying that one day you'll trust Christ. Our children will say, parents, we're going to church. We're, we've heard about Jesus. We've been saved. And I pray that one day you as mom and dad will be saved. It's individually. It's individual. It's personal. So you and I need to feel the weight for what he did because he was wounded for me. Now, <clears throat> Isaiah does something that's a little strange in, ver in chapter 52, verse 13 and 15. Let's look at that real quick. <laughs> he kindly tells he kindly tells the end of the story at the beginning of the story. It's kind of like when you tell a story to your children and you sometimes you start at the end and you work back toward the beginning because you don't want them to be afraid. And so he tells he tells some of the end before he gets to what all the suffering servant went through. Notice what he says in verse Verse 13, 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and extolled very high. So he's telling about, he's telling about the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and yet we, we don't see him suffering until Isaiah 53. We're seeing his, his reign really in chapter 52. Verse 14 says, As many were astonished or stoned at thee, his visage, was so, his appearance was so marred uh, more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. So, verse 15 uses a, a strange word. So shall he sprinkle many nations. We don't use that word sprinkle anymore. The King James says sprinkle. The uh, NIV says sprinkle, I believe. It, he shall sprinkle many nations. That word sprinkle literally means to startle. Jesus startled many nations. He startled the devil. They crucified him, startled the soldiers. They took him down from the cross. They put him in a barred tomb three days later. He startled the world as he came up from the grave. He sprinkled the nations. You ever been startled by Jesus? Have you ever looked at anybody and they startled you? Have you ever noticed anyone whose life was just... It was in the pits, and all of a sudden they trusted Christ, and Christ raised them up out of the pits. And you just can't believe it was the same person that you used to know because God's changed their life. You're sprinkled. <laughs> you're, you're being sprinkled when you see Jesus work in somebody else's life. He startled them, sprinkled them. Many nations, the king shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. And then he says, who, shall, who hath believed our report? Listen, today I can say, who's, who's believed our report? Not many's believed the report. Considering the, the amount of people on earth today, not many have believed the report. We're told that 1.7 billion, B is in boy, 1.7 billion people on the planet Earth have never heard the gospel. Never heard about Jesus. 
with all the modern technology we have, and people hearing about 1.7 billion have never heard. That's why we go as, as personally, as much as we can, and we travel across the United States and mission trips with the association and build churches and, and where we can't go in North America. Uh, we have North American missionaries that we help sponsor through the Annie Armstrong Easter offering to continue to go across North America. And that's why we go to Nicaragua and Guam and, and Romania, those places we've been. And, but yet we can't cover it all, so we support Lottie Moon Christmas offering to send over 4,000 missionaries to reach those unreached people groups that have never heard the gospel. My goodness. I feel, you know, there's so much to be done. There's so many people who haven't heard. And so this morning, prior to the Lord's Supper, I feel that God would have us to remember what Christ went through for each person who's ever lived, for each person who lives now, and for each person that will live later in the future. Look at verse 3, Isaiah 53, as we focus in on what he did. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. The Bible says he was, he was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. If you're grieving this morning, he understands how you feel. If you're sorrowful this morning, he understands how you feel. He can relate to you if you're grieving, if you're sorrowful. We don't follow him because of his appearance. We hid our faces. He was despised. He was esteemed. We esteemed him not. He, Jesus was not very attractive in his appearance. Nothing beautiful really about his appearance. But he would be the one that would bring salvation to mankind. In fact, the Bible says he was despised and rejected. He was accepted by some, but despised and rejected by others. How do you feel about him? Have you trusted him as Lord, or have you, have you despised him? Have you dejected him? How do you feel about him? Have you received him? Look at verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, spitten of God. So if you're hurting today, Jesus relates to you. If you're grieving today, he relates to you. Verse 5 says, but, uses a conjunction there, but. And so he emphasizes a great mistake that the people assumed. They assumed that this suffering servant was suffering for himself, but yet they realized that he's not suffering for them, he's suffering for the world. Verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised, for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So his punishment was not for what he'd done, for he was wounded for our transgressions, for our iniquity, our impurity, our sins. He was, he was being punished, a punishment that we deserve. So the people in Isaiah's day, they were able to look ahead to the future and the suffering servant, a picture of the suffering Messiah that would come later, and would the result of his suffering would, would result in the forgiveness of mankind's sin. 
Notice verse 5 and 6, he says in verse 5, A chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, now you can see the result of his sacrificial suffering, the suffering of the servant. Notice, first of all, people, people come to know the peace with God and with each other. You know, the Bible says that here the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Peace. Peace is a, is a spiritual state in which we're made right with God. That's why Romans 5.1 says it this way, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. See, if you've never trusted Jesus, you're not at peace with God. You're at war with God. You're at war with him. But Jesus died on the cross where we could, where we could in, enjoy peace with God and peace with each other. And then he says, by his stripes we're healed. Now, <clears throat> in context, this is not referring to physical healing. You know, I've heard people, I know people who, who quote this verse out of context when they're praying for, for someone to be healed, but it's not referring to physical healing. I, I hear people will pray over someone sick, and they'll say, Lord, we know by your stripes we're healed, and we want, it's not referring to physical healing, it's referring to what? Spiritual healing. You see, when you receive Jesus Christ and his free gift of salvation, you're made spiritually whole. You're not spiritually sick anymore. And by his stripes, i.e. by his wounds, some translations have, we are healed. Now, he does, do, he does do physical healing, but that's not what this text is about. Verse 6, notice what he says in verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Every person has sinned, and we've gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. I mean, the Lord God has laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So the point is, each one of us are guilty before God. We've gone our own way. We've not gone his way, and we deserve to suffer and to die. But an amazing thing took place. God took our sins, and, it, and it, it, it placed them on the back of the suffering servant, which we know 2,900 years later, it was Jesus. He suffered and he died in our place. He was wounded for me. And then he died for me. So in closing today, God extends an invitation. And when, when we offer an invitation, it's not ours. You've heard me say that. It's not this church. It's not mine. But it's God's invitation. Have you ever thought what it would be like to think that this could be your last invitation to hear? You said, Brother Sammy, I've heard preachers say that before, and I've heard others, but this could be your last one. It could be your last invitation. Somebody could knock on your door this week and share the gospel. This may be the last time you'll be at church. You, you know, some of you may not have been here in several weeks or months, and, and you know that, but, and, but you're hearing an invitation today. And during the process that you're not at church, you may not hear another invitation except today. Someone may knock on your door and share the gospel, give an invitation. That might be your last invitation. I don't know. But the invitation today is extended by God. 
And my prayer is that the weight of this message be placed upon your heart. He was wounded for me. What a great Savior. Now, in respect to the invitation, the invitation is for you to receive him first. Three choices, despise, reject, and accept. Receive. Three choices. Despise him, reject him, and receive him. You'll make that choice today. If you're a Christian, you've made that choice. If you're not a Christian, you'll choose to despise him, you'll choose to, de- to reject him, or prayerfully you'll choose to receive him. Now, to the Christian, you need to come today, kind of kneel at the altar, join me here as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Examine yourselves, first of all, to see if you're in the faith, what the Bible tells us to do, or to examine yourself to to determine if, if we're clean from sin in order to partake of the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread, drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, many have died. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened, we're disciplined of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. You get all that? For the Lord's Supper, we're to examine ourselves. The point is, if we judge ourselves, we'll not come under God's judgment. Listen, when... When God judges you or chastises you or disciplines you, he does so, the Bible says, where you'll not be condemned with the world. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 32 simply states there were some in the church at Corinth because they were coming together for the Lord's Supper and, and partaking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Some were sick and some had even died. Because they fell under the judgment of God. They fell to judge themselves. So your choice, my choice, is to judge ourselves and to repent and be right with God. That's one choice. The second choice is what some will say. Brother Sammy, uh, I'm going to hold on to my sin. Uh, I'm going to ignore the fact that Christ was wounded for me and I'm going to take my chance being disciplined. Really? I know who's going to win that. Really? And what you're saying, if you're saying that, is I have absolutely no reverence for a holy God. That's what you're saying. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come into your presence. I thank you for each person that's here. And Lord, we've, we've realized Isaiah, my goodness, 800 years before the birth of Christ, we were told that Savior would come.
and would bear our punishment and he would be wounded and he'd be bruised and he'd be stricken and he would, he would die and he would be buried with the rich and, and all of this was fulfilled in your son Jesus. 800 years we were told this before Jesus was even born. It's been 2,000 years plus. And so at this time, thank you for speaking to our hearts. And Lord, weigh heavy upon our heart the fact that Jesus died for me. He was wounded for me. He suffered for me. And Lord, as we prepare to take of the Lord's Supper, speak to our hearts that we might judge ourselves, repent of our sin, and be in the right fellowship with you. For those here who have never trusted Christ, wait upon their hearts that you were wounded for them. And I pray today they will come and receive you, receive eternal life as that free gift during this invitation time. Thank you for what you're going to do. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning.